Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. Today is Tuesday, October 9th. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist. With me today is Jeremy Hawkins in London. Chinese stocks tumbled after returning from a week-long holiday and after the People's Bank of China The Central Bank of China cut the bank's reserve requirement ratios Sunday in a move to free up capital on an ongoing effort to ease concerns about the slowing economic growth in China and the impact of the trade war with the U.S. The decision was aimed at reducing financing costs for both small and medium and private firms. However, the PBOC said that it is not changing its staff stance or increasing downward pressure on the renminbi. Sunday's move will inject about 750 billion won in cash into the banking system. But the BPOC maintained that it's Monetary policy is still prudent and neutral and not accommodative. The reserve requirement ratios, which are currently 15.5% for large institutions and 13.5% for smaller banks, will be each cut by 100 basis points, effective October 15th. A prolonged trade war with the U.S. appears to where the economy is rather strong, may lead to more investors pulling out money out of China. Beijing is therefore taking preventive steps to avoid massive outflows of investor money from its financial system. Um, Enough of that. Uh, Jeremy, what's happening in Italy? Um, well, it's got to be said, Italy is a little bit of a mess, and indeed it's probably become more of a mess since we last spoke. So as folks probably remember, the new Italian government's come out with its uh, latest set of forecasts, which uh, completely disrespect the EU so-called fiscal rules, which yeah, essentially lay down uh, the bottom line to just how loose a fiscal policy can be in all the member states. Now, there's been something of a, a political punch-up taking place ever since then, uh, what's just over a week ago now, uh, between the new Italian government and the EU Commission and on the basis of things stand at the moment the the Italian administration is refusing to back down. Now um, currently they're suggesting that they want to see a deficit to GDP target for their borrowing of 2.4% this year and that's miles above what the previous administration agreed that was down below 1% and then although they've whittled down their deficit targets over the next couple of years after that to 2.1% and 1.8% respectively similarly hopelessly above the kind of numbers which EU Commission was working with the previous government. So as things currently stand and investors really don't know what to do. We've had a significant selling coming through of the Italian um, stock market, in particular banking stocks. I mean about 10% of Italian banks assets are held in government debt so they've taken the right royal hammering. Um, the, the Italian bond market has also seen spreads widen aggressively over German bonds and we've seen an influx going to them as investors uh, look for safe haven instruments and it's kind of a question mark as now as what's going to happen 
I think the next sort of focal point will be October the 15th, which is the deadline for when this new draft budget has to be presented for the EU to the EU Commission, which will then duly come out and launch launch um, its decision on what, what it thinks is going to happen. Um, but if no one's going to back down and say it's exactly hard to say what's going to happen. And the real worry, I think, for Italy, of course, here is that so long as we see need yields continuing to rise, then that's simply going to add to its deficits in the first place. Um, now, I'm just looking ahead. We've got Moody's, and I think they're due to issue an update on their Italian debt ratings. Um, at the, um, I think it's at the end of October. Um, I think we've got SMP who are talking about issuing a statement on the debt on their debt rating on the 26th of this month. So were they to introduce a new downgrade, then again, that's going to hit the BTP market. We're going to see these yields move even higher. Um, I think in a broader context, you know, if people remember the last time we see, and this was just a downgrading of the outlook for Italian debt at the back end of August time, uh, we saw bond markets in general being hit in the eurozone, but also the euro being hit too. And exactly the same thing is happening now. We've seen the euro losing significant ground against what is still a very strong dollar by all means, but on basically all the, you know, all the crosses as well. So it's down significantly against sterling, the likes of the Swiss franc, and even the Japanese yen. So at the moment, it's a very uncertain time, I think, for you know, Eurozone investors in general. Um, on top of which, I suppose I should just make a few other comments about what's going on, particularly with um, Brexit, as far as the UK is concerned. We can't leave Brexit out at the moment. There was a significant rally in UK markets, and particularly the pound over the weekend, when we had the EU Commission President, Mr Juncker, uh, surprise, sounding surprisingly positive. Um, just to quote him, he said, it's not yet clear whether we'll get a deal in October, but if not, we are going to do it in November. Now, that may be jumping the gun a little bit, but it's certainly the most bullish sounds we've had coming out of the EU side on the prospective trade deal in some considerable while. So, I mean, really, it's going to be difficult to say what's going to happen until we actually get the results of the next big summit. And that's due on October the 18th. And that, of course, was supposed to be originally when all the, the I's were going to be dotted and the T's crossed in the shape of you know, settling this final deal. But I suppose markets will at least go into that now a little bit more optimistic, although at the end of the day, still very stupid as to whether or not a deal can actually be reached. So I still want a whole politics dominating things over here. Um, if I could just round off a quick bit on some numbers, though. I mean, at the moment, there's so much pol political instability that numbers are almost being missed. But it's just worth picking out a figure this week out of the Eurozone on Friday. We'll get the August, <coughs> excuse me, the August industrial production data for the Eurozone. Now, if, if people remember, during the, certainly, certainly during last year, uh, the industrial production sector for the Eurozone was very much the leading light of a Eurozone upswing. Um, we saw growth on a year-on-year -year basis last December running only just shy of 5%. Now, since then, things have changed significantly. Uh, we saw a contraction in industrial production. This excludes in construction in both the first and the second quarter of this year. So essentially, it left the Eurozone in indust industrial producing side in a technical recession. In fact, we've seen uh, output falling in three of the last four months. Now, if we don't see some kind of recovery on Friday, it really must start raising you know, significant question marks over the whole outlook for the Eurozone economy in general. The ECB is still maintaining that the economy is in good shape and we're going to see you know, a pickup in growth in the second half of this year. We don't see these August industrial production numbers you know, coming in at least on the, on the positive side. And I think you know, people are going to start doubting that. And of course, if that were to be the case, chances are we start to see fresh question marks over whether or not the central bank can actually end its quantitative easing program as it's planning to do at the end of this year. So interesting times in the numbers as well as the politics.
Thank you, Jeremy. Until next week.